You are now listening to The Nosebleeds with your hosts, Kush Parikh and Corey Johnson. Be sure to check us out weekly every Monday and Thursday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on social media on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds, that's K-N-O-W-S bleeds, on Instagram at the nosebleeds, and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the nosebleeds. Yo, what up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nosebleeds Podcast. That's K-N-O-W-S Bleeds. It's your boy. You already know it's your boy, Kush. And I'm here with my co-host, as always, Mr. Corey Johnson. Corey, how are you doing? How was your weekend, sir? It went by way too fast, but it, it, it was good. It was good. It was good to, you know, get a couple of days away from, from work and be able to just chill and just be able to kick back and watch sports. I mean, so many different things are happening in sports right now. We got the NHL back. We got NBA season finally starting back up again. And uh, it's just a lot going on uh, that I was like, wow, this is a little almost like too much. It's like, wow, this is for so like for months we didn't have any sports. And it's like, wow, this is just way too much. Cause at this time you, you know, baseball is pretty much the most dominant sport in every other major sport is kind of like in their off season. So in the summer, this is just like a perfect opportunity. Now, like you get everything all at once and it's just like the perfect storm. It's perfect, man. You sit inside when it's hot outside, kick oh, back yeah. with a brew, oh, and, you know, God. you have have a nice cold beer and watch these sports. It's a good times, man. I mean, I, I took sports for granted when this whole hiatus happened. So to have sports back, right. I'm just like, whew, there's like, it's nonstop. My TV's on just watching, flipping from one game to another game, to, from one sport to another sport. So, I mean, it's good. I mean, I'm not complaining. I'm never going to complain never. about any sports never. again. Never, never. Damn, it's come a long way from watching marble races, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure. All right, let's get into it. On this day, August 3rd in 1986, the first NFL American Bowl exhibition game at London's Wembley Stadium took place. The Chicago Bears beat the Dallas Cowboys 17-6. to The American Bowl was a series of NFL exhibition games that were held outside the USA from 1986 to 2005 to promote the American football on an international level. And these games took place as a preseason game. And it was the same week as the Pro Football Hall of Fame game and kind of served as a Pro Football Hall of Fame game to those teams as a fifth preseason game. So they would still have their four preseason games plus this. And these games took places in various countries around the world. I mean, you look at England, Japan, Canada, Germany, wow. Spain, Mexico, Ireland, and Australia. So wow. the NFL was global, man. And uh, the series went on until 2005 before Roger Goodell put a halt to it and started focusing on international games in the regular season rather than the mm. preseason. And uh, I guess that's one of the few things Roger Goodell has done <laughs> well as a commissioner. But uh <laughs> Now we have annual regular season games taking place in the UK and in Mexico. Uh, do you see, Corey, the NFL try to incorporate more international games in different countries other than the UK and Mexico? Well, I think when you look at uh, the NBA and you look how global of a, a sport and a brand the NBA is, not only is the NBA obviously loved here 
in America, but uh, you look at across the globe, everybody's watching the NBA now. Like that's, that's great. And even uh, across the globe, people are watching the NFL. Like I know there's a lot of UK fans that love the NFL and uh, have, you know, social media accounts and they're reporters and, and there's just, they even have NFL UK. So, I mean, like, it's definitely not as if uh, people don't focus on the NFL outside of the United States, but I think for the NFL to take that next step, they need to make sure that their brand on an international level is looking right. And I think the way that you kind of do that is um, you get more exposure to people who, like I said, wouldn't get the opportunity to really see an Odell Beckham or see a Tom Brady or see, you know, some of your star players. Majority of the time, the teams that get these international games are teams that we don't even want to see over here in the United States, like (laughs) Jacksonville, (laughs) like in Miami or the Panthers. I mean, like most of the time, the international games that we do get are teams that aren't that good. So if we were to get international games, um, obviously when this whole thing, you know, with COVID pretty much is on the back burner and has, you know, gone down and has gone away pretty much. But I I think like when we're able to, you know, travel and we're able to have more of a, a, international presence worldwide i think that the nfl definitely should go ahead and not only schedule in international games but schedule games that people want to see don't just schedule games that are gonna be like well i mean nobody wants to watch that and i remember like there was a game i think it was like jacksonville versus miami or something like that or it was like like two of like the worst teams in the league and they were playing each other uh, at Wembley stadium. And it was supposed to be scheduled for like 4am or something like that. And I just remember seeing that on the schedule one year and I was like, there's no way in hell I'm waking up to see that game. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Cause over here it's like six 30 in the morning for a exactly, kickoff. Or, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So there's no, there's no way that I'm going to wake up to see that. But if it was maybe, I don't know, like if it was Tom Brady against, you know, Drew Brees or something like that, or Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers you already know like that's going to get you know mm-hmm. not only interest for those abroad but that's going to catch interest for those here in the United States so i think mm-hmm. that it's it should be both a, a best of both worlds don't just you know send off your worst you know send off your star players in order to, for them to get more exposure internationally because i think one of the unfortunate things is for the NFL is yeah there's a lot of guys who are known uh for being star players, but I don't think they're known as an international brand like certain NBA players. There's certain NBA guys who are coming off the bench who are probably known a lot more than uh, certain NFL players who are have more are, are more of a star in their league. Yeah, for sure. And I think it'd be interesting to take it to different parts of Europe and not just the UK, because I know they have football leagues like in, in uh, Prague, they have one in Italy, like, cause one of my buddies actually plays in those leagues. He was playing in Italy. He was on the Rome team uh, last year. And then the year before that he was in uh, Prague. So, I mean, 
they have football, American football over there. So it'd be really interesting to get like some of those sports back in like, let's say Germany. I know Australia would love it because they're big on rugby over there. Oh and yeah, for sure. The UK is big on rugby as well. Japan, that's, that's an interesting one. Uh, Canada, obviously they have the CFL and then Mexico city is a big one. I mean, we had the chiefs and Chargers last year as well. So it'll be really interesting. And I hope the NFL does incorporate more of that, but obviously after this whole COVID passes over. Yeah. All right, let's get into the NFL. We have the NFL training camp is underway, and there has been a lot, a lot of players opting out of the season already. Nearly 50 players with COVID-19 concerns. Some notable players who have opted out. Well, let's first off start off with nine Patriot players that have opted out. They said, Cam Newton's here. We out. (laughs) No more Tom Brady. (laughs) We out. It's like, no point. No point to compete in this year. (laughs) Yeah. No, but in all seriousness, I mean, they had nine players opt out. Uh, Notable ones are Dante Hightower, who's a three-time Super Bowl champion, a team captain. Then you have Marcus Cannon, who is a cancer survivor, so that's why he opted out. And then Pat Chung, He's uh, entering his 12th season and has played all previous 11 seasons with the Patriots. And then you have the Bears, Eddie Goldman, who's an anchor for that defense. You have Michael Pierce for the Vikings, who just came over from the Baltimore Ravens. And uh, he's been having respiratory concerns. Um, And, I mean, that's a big loss for the Vikings because they lost Linval Joseph and brought in Michael Mm, Pierce. And then you have uh, Marquise Goodwin, who's a speedster, but – He has a a baby girl with his wife, Morgan, and uh, that's after suffering a lot of miscarriages. So, I mean, that's the concern for him. And then Devin Funches for the Packers. I mean, Packers need a receiver. (laughs) Finally, they get one. And, I mean, I don't know if he's on the level of what Packer fans would want, but – uh, I mean, it's, he would have been serviceable. Exactly, exactly. And uh, but he's had firsthand experience with COVID nineteen already, so that's why he opted out. And then for the Giants, Nate Solder, he has family concerns with uh, his son facing cancer, and he has a newborn. And then Damian Williams for the Chiefs opted out. And then uh, for the Jets, C.J. Mosley opted out for family health reasons. And I mean, you look at the Jets in the span of a week losing C.J. Mosley and Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams it's a yeah. big loss, but um. Yeah. Corey, last week you said you wouldn't be surprised if more players opted out after the news of Lauren DuVernay-Tardif opting out. I mean, that was a good call by you on your part because we see all these players opted out. But did you expect this many players to have opted out already? No, I didn't think that it was going to spiral like that. But I think uh, it was crazy because I think when we were doing the last episode and just as we were posting it, I think I got the news like Patrick Chung had opted out and I was like, Oh, there, there, it, here it goes. And then I got the new Dante Hightower off the domino like, effect. Oh. And I was like, Oh man, <laughs> it's like, yo, as soon as we post the episode, then all of a sudden here they come, all these guys started opting out. And I mean, it's not too surprising. Um, I'm still waiting for, you know, it's not to say that these guys aren't notable. No, dis- it's not to say that at all, but if, I think like if you see like a Pat Mahomes or if you see like a Russell Wilson or Tom Brady, like if you see somebody like that opt out, and I think that kind of causes into concern and it kind of brings in what Odell Beckham has recently kind of said. And he pretty much came out and said that uh, he thinks that this season should be canceled. He thinks that the 2020 season should be canceled amid COVID-19. Uh, concerns and he said obviously with everything that's going on it doesn't make sense why we're trying to do this and he said 
when you look at the fact that uh, he said it's obviously for for money. He said we're not ready for football season, so why are we trying to push forward? And that bothers me because there's always been this, and I hate saying it like that, but the owner's attitude is, oh, we own you guys, and just kind of that unfairness going on that they don't see us as human. I just feel like the season shouldn't happen, and I'm prepared for it to not happen, and I wouldn't mind not having it. So, I mean, it's an interesting conversation because, like like we've been saying and like I've been saying, the biggest thing that the NFL is looking at is whether or not MLB, how can they, how are they dealing with COVID-19? And so far, we'll get into it a little bit, uh, but so far it hasn't been spectacular how they've been dealing with COVID-19. And the Marlins had an outbreak, Cardinals had an outbreak. And so, and then I saw this thing, it was just like a short little clip, but it was, uh, I think the Dodgers, one of their, uh, one of their coaches, he uh, had his mask on and the camera was on him for like a short period of time. And he went to like cough and like, I guess he like pulled his mask down and he coughed. And so, and like, it got like a huge reaction online and pretty much on Twitter, especially people were like, yo, this is exactly why, uh, you know, things have not been going going well as far as dealing with COVID-19 with Major League Baseball. And already season hasn't even started as far as the NFL. We're, you know, training camp is underway, but we're already getting notable guys testing positive for COVID-19 and uh, the coronavirus. And it's, it's just going to, I think it's going to come to a point where the NFL has to weigh is, is, this is the price of player safety worth it, worth the price of going forth and having the season. And if the NFL doesn't do their due diligence of making sure that they put their players' safety um, as the utmost of importance, they not only could potentially lose out on uh, having – you know, obviously there's been some back and forth between the owners and the players building up for years now, but I think this could be the nail in the coffin or the final straw that maybe you see a strike happen or something like that. Or maybe you start seeing guys not only opt out, but they, they start coming forth with some demands. Like we're seeing in the pac 12, like the players are like, look, we're not going to return to play until our demands are met as far as safety for COVID and uh, a actual real push for social injustice and pay and compensating us fairly. So I think that we might see a similar thing happen in the NFL where like the players coalition comes out with a list of demands and pretty much they put the NFL in a tough spot to where they say like, if you want to have a season, this is what you got to do. And if you don't want to do this, if you don't want to represent us to the fullest, then we're not going to do this and we're not going to have a season. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, to what you said with the whole season isn't even started and we already have players already on the the reserve and COVID list. I mean, that list is, you know, pretty hefty with the names that are on there. I mean, you look at Matt Stafford for the Lions franchise QB right there, Kenny Galladay, who's a young star, and then TJ Hawkinson, their first round pick from last year, Justin Coleman, who had a breakout year for the Lions last year. So the Lions are probably hit the most from this uh, reserve COVID list. But I mean, you also have the Vikings, Anthony Barr, who's a pro bowler, Justin Jefferson, who was 
their uh, first round pick. And then uh, with the Eagles, you have Lane Johnson. And then the big news that just came out on Sunday was Doug Peterson. He uh, was a second coach, I would say, who was tested positive for coronavirus. First one was uh, Sean Payton back in mm-hmm. March. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then with the Titans, Isaiah Wilson, who was a first rounder this past year. And then Jaguars, Gardner Minshew, uh, who was their franchise quarterback. So do you think the 2020 NFL season is in jeopardy? I would say right now, yes, uh, it's definitely in jeopardy uh, just because like Odell was saying, it's like it's the toughest sport to do any of the precautions for COVID-19 for because how do you social distance? How do you, um, you know, not have any sort of physical contact in the most contact sport? In, in all of the, the, the major sports here in the U.S. I mean, the NFL, you have 11, you have 22 guys on the field. You have them in close proximity. And like I said, like the, the, the guys who I most expect to opt out are the guys who are having the most physical contact in O-line and D-line guys. Because I'm just thinking like if, if you're going to do all this touching and all this, you know, physical contact, that's risky and that's tough. And and I, I know that the NFL is looking at MLB and they're hoping that they can, you know, maybe find a similar model, but I don't know how you do any of the precautions or keep uh, the precautions in mind at least, or, or frame it in a way to at least making it seem as if you're trying to have the precautions at the forefront uh, of your mind when, there's so much physical contact in your sport. There's no getting away from that. There's simply no getting away from that. And it's a tough situation and there's no real way to like come up with any solution at this point because it's already late in the game. We're in training camp already. And I understand if this maybe was like a couple months ago or a month ago, or maybe even, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, but it's, 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 kind of like at this point I think the NFL is going to go forth and have the season bearing any like dramatic changes or anything like that or uh any obvious uh crazy news come out but I think unless the players either a boycott or just a dramatic amount of players start testing positive or staff members start testing positive then I just don't see how the NFL is just going to full-on decide to come out and say, yeah, we're canceling the season when I think the owners realize like, look, if we can at least, you know, put a product on the field, we know people are going to watch because we know people want to see NFL football, then they're going to be willing to risk it. But I just think it's, it's too much of a risk. It's the biggest risk because it's different from the NBA when you have guys who can distance themselves and it's different from the NHL when they're literally in bubble cities and hub cities. And it's different from MLB at the fact that there's really rarely any physical contact in Major League Baseball unless, like, you have a guy trying to tag somebody. So I, I just think the NFL is in a tough spot, a very tough pickle. Yeah, and I think the fact that they're not going with the bubble idea that the NBA, that the NHL, that MLS has been doing – it's going to be really, really tough for them because we've seen it in the MLB with literally just one guy 
on the team messing it up for the entire team and having to miss X amount of games, not only just them, but the entire team. I mean, we saw that with the Marlins, who actually now have zero positive tests, which is good news for the Marlins. But with the Cardinals, it was reported that one of the guys had gone to a casino, and that's how he contracted the virus. And now look at it. It's literally just been spiraling out of control. So, I mean, all it takes is for the NFL for one guy. And like you said, there is so much contact. But I think in the NFL's defense that the MLB kind of struggles in is the NFL has a week before a game, whereas the MLB is literally playing game after game after every single day. So it's like they're coming into contact and they like within 24 hours, they may have two games within 24 hours. And within that 24 hours, you may not get your results for your COVID test, which could spread to the other team, which could spread to other players with even like even just batting practice or even just taking ground balls in the field, whatever the case may be. Whereas the NFL, I mean, they have a lot more players to take into account, but I think with the NFL, I mean, if you take a non-contact practice day, maybe after a game or something like that, and kind of just go through the motions with like completely non non-contact and then uh, wait till the results come out after you've played your game against uh, another team and then maybe go into uh contact practice, something like that, that they can do. But yeah, for the NFL is going to be very tough and, with all the players opting out and with all the notable players being on the reserve and COVID list, it's going to be very interesting to see whether the NFL can indeed pull this off. But uh, the NFL is expected to move the opt-out deadline up to either Tuesday or Wednesday. And this is a week after the new collective bargaining agreement side letter was signed. And in just a week of that letter being signed, they've already gone back on their word. And Patriots safety and team captain Devin McCourty ripped the NFL for trying to move up this deadline. A couple things he said is, quote, I think it's an absolute joke that the NFL is changing the opt-out period, mainly because they don't want to see uh, guys continuing to opt out. I'm sure they're shocked about it, how many guys have opted out. I think it's terrible. I think it's BS. The league has changed that date. And he went on to say that, quote, it's the same thing when we signed our CBA. Sometimes some of those things that we think are good sometimes backfired. And we have rookies that are locked into long-term contracts and then tagged and tagged, referring to the franchise tag. You guys don't think we would love to change that about the CBA, but we can't. That's the point of signing an agreement. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on the NFL attempting to change the deadline to an earlier date? And do you agree or disagree with Devin McCourty? I don't disagree. Um, I mean, it's a tough situation when it comes to a business, when any sort of business arrangement, because I feel like um, there's the, the tough thing is when you're working with other people in business, there's some sort of compromise or some sort of sacrifice that you have to automatically make because not everybody is going to get what they want. Not everybody is going to be able to uh just be able to get exactly what they want. So that's why the whole negotiation process is there. That's why you try to find some wiggle room and you try to, you know, give up certain things that maybe you didn't want to give up, but that's all the part of the negotiation process. But uh, at the end of the day, I I think that Devin McCourty is right. It is messed up that the NFL were trying to move up the deadline because this is an ongoing situation. And this is something that uh, I don't think, I honestly don't even think that there should be any sort of a deadline. And I think that, you know, obviously I, I, I'm not 
sure what the negotiations, you know, came about for, you know, this in the CBA, but I don't even think that this should be it because at any point in time, let's say it's like start of the season and, you know, something crazy happens, you know, not, you know, God forbid any of this happened, but let's say like uh, one of my teammates, you know, he gets coronavirus and like, I, I, I just feel uncomfortable about it and I want to opt out, but it's like, I can't. So it's like, I, I feel like this is kind of messed up that you're pigeonholing guys to have to make a decision this early on in the process when we've seen in the MLB guys are opting out, opting back in. Nick Marcakis is back. He, he, he decided like, look, I, I, I'm, I'm coming back. So, I mean, like, that should be the same thing in the NFL. I think guys should be able to have that that uh, that opportunity to come back if they feel comfortable with doing so. Because maybe it's a bad time right now. Like you said, guys are having kids coming to their lives right now, and they don't want to put them at risk. Or they have loved ones that you know have health issues that they don't want to put at risk. And maybe if they they decide like, look, maybe if I if I'm just with the team or if I'm you know, if I get a hotel, if I get like a living arrangements to where I'm only there, uh, and, and and like they just figure things out, then maybe they want to, you know, obviously come back and play. And there's no opportunity to do that. And I think that's kind of messed up. I I agree with you, uh, but it's not fair to teams if they randomly just opt out. Because let's just say some random Friday or Saturday before game day, let's say Drew Brees decides to opt out. It's no, like, it's I like, well, now you like, what are you going to do? You have less than 24 hours to make a whole game <laughs> plan change for a team. So I think in yeah, that perspective, you. it's not fair to teams to give, you know, players all this power, but for the NFL to move the date just like that within a week of making an agreement. I mean, I think it definitely makes the NFL look bad. And I do agree with McCourty's statement. And I mean, if you go, if you if you agree to something and you go back on that statement, obviously it's going to look bad in general. And I think the NFL already has a history of always doing things from a business standpoint, and it's known for not being a player friendly league. So, I mean, this kind of just adds to another point of that statement being true. And if I'm the NFL, instead of changing the date and making yourself look bad, why don't you reach out to the players? Why don't you try to bring awareness to the players and just be like, yo, this is our uh, set protocol that that we're trying to do to maintain a safe and healthy environment for players and to, you know, kind of give them peace of mind and kind of get, let them breathe a sigh of relief where they can be like, okay, I think the NFL has their shit together. I feel comfortable playing this upcoming season rather than, you know, going behind their back and trying to attempt to uh, bring the deadline closer. Yeah, yeah. And then on the opposite side, you give the guys a chance to be like, I don't trust this. I don't know if the NFL is going to be able to pull this off. I'm opting out. Exactly. And then at that point, it gives teams ample time to, you know, restructure their roster or give them time to adjust. Yeah, pick up free to, agents and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't I, yeah, I guess I didn't, you know, keep that in mind because we don't want a, a situation like the Bills had a few while ago where some guy, so my guy just at halftime is just like, yep, <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I'm out, bro. <laughs> I'm out and just leaves the stadium. That will, like, Whoa. that will forever what? be <laughs> one of the craziest things in NFL history. Vontae Davis man, just, man. yeah. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting how things transpire with, 
the NFL and the players um, and how other players react to it as well. Uh, but let's move on. We got the NFL announcing on Friday that Antonio Brown will be receiving an eight-game suspension without pay for multiple violations of the NFL's personal conduct policy and could be potentially suspended for more games, which I'll get into in a little bit. But basically, the free agent wide receiver has been subject of an NFL investigation following an accusation of sexual misconduct in 2017. He also pleaded no contest in June to a felony burglary with battery charge and two lesser misdemeanor charges related to a January incident with a moving truck company outside his home in Hollywood, Florida. And a separate NFL investigation is going on about Antonio Brown's former trainer alleging that she was sexually assaulted by Antonio Brown and uh, AB could be suspended for additional games following the conclusion of that investigation. So AB is just, just wilding out here and he's like going through a lot and he's been very vocal on social media against the NFL and has been very hot and cold or bipolar, if you will, about his opinions of the NFL and even it went to the extent of his former agent, Drew Rosenhaus, who is a very well-known agent in the NFL industry. And he parted ways with Antonio Brown in January after expressing that he wants to work with Antonio Brown, but only until he seeks help. So do you think a team will even take a chance on Antonio Brown? And after this whole uh, suspension, and if so, which team? Um. I, I feel like maybe like a team like the Jets probably would take a chance on Antonio Brown, but like a team that needs like a wide receiver would definitely, because he is still, I think he still has the talent level. And I mean, he was working out with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson has been adamant. He would love to have Antonio Brown in his wide receiving as to help out his wide receiving core. And I just think that, the main thing is it's not, I don't want to say an exact similar situation to Josh Gordon, but I think it's just a situation where he needs to maybe prioritize looking and reflecting on what's gone on, not only just this entire year, but going into last year as well. And uh, just kind of reflect and look on all the different decisions that he's made and all the different, bridges that he's kind of burned in a way and just really think about getting back into the NFL. Yes. And, you know, getting back to playing, obviously he wants to play, but I I think that he's kind of had just like this, this, this just spiral out of control sort of thing. And I think for him to kind of just want to just get back to playing again, maybe he should first, like Drew Rosenhaus is saying, maybe seek some help and not like in a in a in a demeaning way or saying like he's crazy or anything. But nobody really knows what's going on with Antonio Brown unless you're in his inner circle or you're Antonio Brown. I don't even know. I don't even know if Antonio Brown knows what's going on, because I mean, I mean to yeah. be honest, I mean, the first thing is always denial. So he, yeah. if he is bipolar, yeah. denial is always going to be a thing. So he has to kind of overcome that whole denial thing but i think with him like he even came out on instagram and posted two days ago he was basically saying 
Uh, I thank the NFL for giving me another opportunity because last week he was basically saying, yo, NFL, what's going on with my suspension? Can you like hurry the F up with this shit? Like, come on. Like literally you guys aren't doing shit. Like you have so much time on your hands, like figure out a suspension. So I know what I'm going to do with my future career. And then finally, when they came out with the suspension, he basically said, I want to thank the NFL for giving me an opportunity. I hope like I'm going to be the best uh, version of myself uh, this upcoming season in my career. And then he put hashtag AB 2.0. So Take it how you will, but yeah, yeah. I, I just I, I think that he's been doing a lot of things for attention. I mean, yeah. Look back to when he was a free agent. I remember he was saying like, "Oh, I'm going back to college," <laughs> and that whole situation. I mean, like the, the guy is not quiet at all. <laughs> like he's not quiet, and he's not moving in silence. He's not just going about his business, or he's not just trying to. Because uh, I think it would be one thing if he was having this breakdown and nobody really knew about it unless you were, like, close to him. But the fact that it's been so public and, and for for everyone to see and well-documented on the Internet, that's the part where I'm just like, man, like, I don't even know, like you said, if he knows what's going on right now or he knows what he's doing. Cause... Well, it could it could possibly be that which exactly what you just said has been going on for countless amount of years that he's been in the NFL where only his inner circle knows what's going on and he hasn't been public to a point where I think it just has spiraled out of control and gotten out of hands to where it did get posted publicly on social media. He probably just had enough of maybe keeping it to himself. And I, I don't know, maybe he had other it just comes voices like in his head. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, it just comes off as a cry for help. And I think in this situation, uh, people need to not just immediately dismiss uh, players or, you know, celebrities or people who are, you know, going through uh, tough situations. Because mm-hmm. I think like the biggest thing that a lot of people always look at is the fact that like, while yes, it's it's tough for, you know, people like us to look at a guy like Antonio Brown, who has millions of dollars and, uh, has the athleticism that most guys dream of, <laughs> wish mm-hmm. they, they he can move like Antonio Brown. But at the same time, that doesn't guarantee that you'll be happy. I mean, you could have more money than God and still be depressed. So, like I said, I mean, I also know. another perfect example is Kanye West. We see everything that's going on with Kanye West right now as so well. True. That's so true. So, just it's it I, I don't like taking the route of just dismissing him as being crazy or dismissing somebody that's going through something like this as being crazy. I think that he does need help. I just don't know if he's willing to admit his faults like on a serious, genuine level, not just a tweet that I'm gonna send off yeah. to, you know, make stuff, you know, look like it's okay so I can get signed by a team. But genuinely go sit down with somebody and and tell them what's been going on and why he's been doing what he's been doing and behaving the way he's been behaving and treating people the way he's been treating them. Because, you know, I I remember Ryan Clark mentioned kind of like when he became the number one wide receiver, how he had like such this ego and this attitude just come out of nowhere where he was like, this is my team and this is this. And, you know, he was just strutting around like he owned it he owned the Steelers pretty much and it's kind of crazy to me how certain players just kind of go from being humble guys and just happy to be in the locker room to all of a sudden they they feel like they deserve uh 
like a half or a percentage of, of ownership of the team or something like that. It's like, whoa, like what 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 happened? What, how did you go from this to this in such a dramatic way? And I, I think that maybe has an explanation to something deeper than everybody realizes. So I think all will be revealed later on. Obviously, nothing's going to get come out uh, anytime soon, but I think all will be revealed uh, in due time with Antonio Brown. And as far as do, I think the team is good. If he can still, if he can still show off that breakaway speed, if he can still show off those hands that he has, a team is going to want to sign Antonio Brown. And I mean, heck, if the Patriots took a chance on him, you know that teams are still willing to take a chance on Antonio Brown. So, I mean, the one thing I think that is more of a concern is the whole sexual misconduct situation. Cause I, I think that's been made clear, not just in the NFL, but sports wide, it's kind of tough to continue to uh, employ someone that has any sort of reputation or has any sort of negative publicity when it comes to uh, sexual misconduct, because it's just not a good look. And especially in the times that we live in and, and the whole, you know, with me, the whole me too movement, uh, I, I just don't see uh, that being, I think that's going to be more of a concern anything than uh, can he still play? Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head when you basically said, I think he needs to finally admit to, to getting help. And I think once he gets that help, I think all his cards will fall into place. Cause I mean, the guy's 32 years old. I mean, it isn't a friendly age for an NFL player to come back into the league, but like you said, AB was so dominant in his time in the league that I think if he comes back and even if it looks like he's lost a step, I still think he'd be better than 80% of the, the league's wide receivers. That's how good he is. I mean, since 2013, he's ranked first in receptions with 690, second in receiving yards with over 9,000, first in receiving touchdowns with 68, and second in targets with over 1,000 since 2013. So, I mean, that just goes to show right there how dominant AB was. But like you said, his main concern is his off-the-field issues with his prima donna attitude and whether he can hurt a team rather than help a team on the field. So if Brown signs with a team before the regular season, he'll be allowed to participate in preseason activities and the suspension would take place after the final rosters are set on September 5th. But bringing it back to what you said before about Lamar Jackson, he came out a few days ago and has expressed his suggestions to the Ravens front office about bringing a B on because there's been videos of him working out with Lamar Jackson. And obviously we all know his cousin Hollywood Brown is uh, on the team. So Harbaugh expressed that we don't know what Antonio Brown's availability was with the NFL's investigation, but now that they do know, maybe they take a chance on him. But I think also with the whole sexual assault and not knowing whether that suspension can be longer or if it's still going to be the eight games, that's going to be a big question. But definitely, definitely see the Raven, the team like the Ravens taking a chance on him because I feel like they have very good leadership in the locker room and in the front office. And it would definitely be beneficial. Yeah, and then also the fact that, you know, his cousin is there in Hollywood Brown. Like, I don't know how close they are, but, 
you know, it seems like they've gotten closer, even if they weren't close, maybe they've gotten closer. Now that Hollywood Brown is now in the NFL, maybe they kind of like have something like similarities and stuff to talk about, about like maybe Hollywood Brown's rookie season versus Antonio Brown. And maybe Antonio Brown's like somewhat quote unquote mentoring him, like helping him out, getting adjusted to the league. Right. I, I just think that like, it's a familiar face. And a lot of times that, uh, in these situations, good or bad, a familiar face could somehow either help the situation or either be in like a negative to the situation. Because, like I said, I don't just know, gonna say that. I don't know. I don't know how like their relationship is, but if it's a good relationship, maybe it's a better reason for the Ravens to want to bring him in. Because, but then again, also if they brought him in, and that was one of the reasons they brought him in, then that's a lot of pressure to put on Hollywood Brown. It's like, not only do you got to focus on doing your job, but you got to make sure that your cousin is doing his job and not acting a fool. And Hollywood Brown's only like, what, 22? Like, he's a youngin'. But I think also it's going to be tough, even though if they have such a close relationship, but I'm not saying I'm putting it on Hollywood Brown, but let's say that things do spiral out of control. Now you are Hollywood Brown. Who are you choosing? Your team or your family? family. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So I think that and like from basically bringing one receiver, losing AB and now losing your second best receiver and arguably a franchise receiver in Hollywood Brown. I mean, that could be really, really detrimental to the Ravens. Yeah, I think the risk kind of is right up there with the reward. Mm Because like if you bring him in, yeah, you got so much talent. But you don't know how psychologically and mentally that could impact your locker room. That's the only thing. Because if he has one of his outbursts or he goes on one of his little tirades where he's like, you know, cursing out the coaches or cursing out the team or, you know, firing off, you know, crazy tweets or on Facebook Live while Harbaugh's trying to do the the the, the end of the game um, meeting or whatever, it, it's just not a good look. And so I think you need for him as a player and him to understand that, look, dude, like you said, you're 32. It's like, you're not 22. You're not, you know, just entering in the league. You got to get, you got to get it together, yo. You got to be a grown man and just, and just understand like, look, I'm, I'm lacking in this aspect of life. I need help or I'm not, you know, I need help figuring this thing out. I'm, I'm dealing with a lot. I need to figure this whole thing out because the the thing that I hate to see is especially with, with, with black dudes is that they just kind of go along with it or they just kind of like, like, you know, take, they, they put it on their shoulders instead of like releasing it and, and just carrying these weights and, and, and carrying like a lot on their backs. And it's like, dude, like you don't have to carry and live with this for the rest of your life. You can talk to somebody, you can get help. You can, you know, there's different avenues you can take. You don't just have to continue to go through this, this, this for the rest of your life, you know? So. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and other teams that have also been in speculation of signing him is Seattle Seahawks, but I don't think that's going to work anymore just because I think bringing in a guy like Jamal Adams and then bringing in another guy like Antonio Brown, they can definitely butt heads and they'll be, that could be That's a, lot a, of a franchise ruiner. And, and if anybody, if any franchise knows about, like, the level of personalities in their locker room, it would be the Seattle Seahawks. Because Thomas. They, they had so many. Sherman. Richard Sherman. 
Michael Bennett. They had so many personalities, loud personalities in that locker room that it got to a point where it was like, yo, <laughs> we can't even focus on football. <laughs> it's yeah. like, come on, yo. So it, 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 I think you have to manage that whole situation well. And it has to be a team that knows how to manage those type of personalities and those type of situations. You know, ironically enough, a team that could actually use Antonio Brown is the team that he left in the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> they could definitely use <laughs> Antonio Brown because they could Juju, use him, but Juju. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen just nah, because of the not, way things that the way that not, the big Ben and AB kind exactly. of fell off. But I mean, to the Seahawks, I think bringing a guy like Josh Gordon would be better because he was a part of the team last year. He already knows, you know, the playbook. He knows the system that they play over there. And he's still a very solid receiver that you could have on your team. So I think someone like Josh Gordon could help and it would be, you know, a lot less worrisome than having a guy like A.B. But another team, do not sleep on him and call me crazy. But don't be surprised if the Chiefs try to go get him, the Kansas City Chiefs, just because League I feel minimum? like – League they, minimum deal? I don't know about league minimum. I don't know about league minimum, but I I think because Patrick Mahomes, his his new contract doesn't go into effect until another two years. So, I mean, I I believe they have the cap space. I could be wrong, but I'm sure they could work something out, and that could definitely be beneficial for them. But if stuff starts acting up, all you got to do is just snip it. And yeah. like, you still have Tyreek Hill, yeah. still have Travis Kelsey, still have Sammy Watkins. It's just like, yeah. it's a test. But I think it's like a high reward, low risk. Cause like, if he starts acting up in any what way, just snip it off. Like you're still a Super Bowl winning team that you were last year. So. Right. Right. And the crazy thing is like, if they, I would at this point, cause you're seeing it be a trend. Why not offer him like a, you know, a, a one year deal. And it's totally incentivized. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's on you. If you get like a certain amount of catches, a certain amount of yards and like all this other stuff, it's on you to get your money. You know what I mean? Like, so th- at this point in time in his career, I don't think he's going to get any like huge deal or anything like that. So uh, I think that, like you said, it would be a low risk, high reward, but I don't know. We'll see. It will definitely be interesting. All right, let's move on. We got MLB baseball with about a week and a half into the season and most teams playing 10 games, about a sixth of their games this season so far. Let's go over our three biggest takeaways so far from this season. Corey, I'll let you go first. How about the Yankees, yo? I mean, there's a reason that they were favorites (laughs) to start the season. And wow. I was not expecting the Yankees to get all to the start that they did, but they've been jumping on top of their schedule like crazy. And it's been large in part because of the long ball. I mean, they're right now currently tied with the Dodgers for the most home runs in the MLB with 17. And I just don't see that slowing down anytime soon because they were hitting home runs like crazy against the Orioles, hitting home runs like crazy against the Red Sox, who they just came off of beating them in that series. Uh, and the Yankees right now, they ain't got no worries. <laughs> it's like they, they're over here listening to French Montana, and it's like ain't worried about nothing. <laughs> ain't worried about nothing at all. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. But one big concern about the Yankees is uh, Tommy Canlin, and he might be going – that's one of their better relievers in their bullpen, and he might be getting Tommy John surgery. So that is they may insane. have to see whether they can find a young replacement for Tommy um, which is ironic. I just realized that. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, Yankees, man, there's so much power. And like you said, 
before the season started is literally they have two potential MVPs on their team in Stanton and in judge. And I mean, in when Stanton, when they were playing the the nationals, Stanton was putting on a show. And then when they started playing the Orioles, now Aaron judge is putting on a show. So it's like they can, they can bite you and beat you any sort of way. And I mean, obviously you still have Garrett Cole, who I just read a stat is in his, his last loss, I think was May of 2019. Wow. Since then he's been, about regular season win that is. So I think since then he's been eighteen and zero with a one point eight eight ERA, something wow. insane like that. So I mean, wow, over combine that with the, he hasn't lost in over a year, yo. Yeah, and you combine that with the the lineup that the Yankees have, definitely dangerous, and that's why they are my favorite to win it all. But let me go with my first takeaway, and that's unfortunately my Angels and their blowpen. That's right. I said blowpen, not bullpen, blowpen, because coming into the season, pitching was a main concern. We saw the lineup was stacked, uh, but p- starting pitching was one of their main concerns, which they've done a really, really good job, minus Shohei Otani, who has been struggling, but they've done a great job starting pitching-wise. Uh, literally, they're 3-7 and seven this season and sitting in last in the AL West, and that's because of their bullpen. Their bullpen has the worst ERA in the MLP with 5.04, and they have blown four leads this season already. One of them, they turned it into a win against the Astros, but the Angels should be 6-4, and four, which would be good enough for first in the AL West, but right now they're sitting in last in the AL West, and it's because of this bullpen. I mean, the, it, I there wasn't a lot of hype for this bullpen coming into the season, but there also was not expecta- expecting them to be last in the entire MLB. And I think it's just because they don't have legit dudes in that bullpen. I think you look at uh, Cam Pedrosian is probably one of the only guys who is legit. But outside of that, Keenan Middleton, he's coming off of Tommy John, but there was high expectations for him because he was a second-round pick, and he's been struggling. I mean, Hobby Milner, he was struggling. First pitch of his career, and he gives up a grand slam. And then with Hansa Robles, I mean, this guy had a great year, was one of the top closing pitchers in the league, and so far he has like something like a 20 ERA this season so far. So, I mean, the Angels are just hurting in the bullpen and i mean they they haven't had mike trout because he was on paternity leave but he'll be back on tuesday but this lineup has been somewhat getting it done they've been crawling back into games but only for their bullpen to just give it back up in the eighth or ninth inning yeah pull host had a grand slam uh, i know rendon has been hitting bombs otani's been doing work as well so i mean like on the said, hitting the, end yeah 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 so i mean like the offense is there like you're getting runs. It's just like you say, you can't get anybody to to seal the deal and get the victory. So if the, I feel like it's going to put a lot of pressure on uh, one or two things are going to either have to happen. Either the starters are going to have to pitch until like they get into like the sixth or the seventh inning, or there's going to have to be a trade. Because if you're looking at this point in time, 10 games in, and you're already seeing you're struggling in this department, uh, and you feel like, as in the Angels, you have a viable chance. Because, like like I said, like we just said, like they have the offense. And it's like if they just got a little bit of bullpen help, if they just got some help, mm-hmm. and right now you're currently last, why not make a trade? Like why not go out and, and see see the market real quick and, and look and evaluate your options 
go for it. Because I think this is a perfect opportunity, and especially in 2020 in a shortened season, really can't waste any time because you'll blink, and next thing you know, he'll be like, damn. Already a sixth of the season, the season is done. We're already, we're already halfway through the season, and it's not looking too good in the bullpen department. So. Well, so far, already a sixth of the season have been played already, so it's going to be a struggle for the Angels. I mean, like I said, this doesn't even mention about Otani and his pitching because he's been struggling in a big, big way, and now he's saying that he's getting some uh, elbow tightness, so that's not good after coming off of Tommy John surgery. The Angels are waiting a MRI. Yeah, yeah, that's a tough situation. Uh, my second, my second biggest takeaway is going to be the Chicago Cubs. I was bigging up the Southsiders of Chicago and the White Sox this entire uh, off season and in spring training. I was saying like, look, the White Sox are going to be dominating, and it's still fairly early. I mean, they're not looking too bad. They're you know second in their division, but. How about the Cubbies, man? The Cubbies, the Chicago Cubs are hitting and raking right now. They're one of the best teams in the home run department. They got one of the best uh, pitching staffs. And I think when you look at uh, the way that the Cubs were a season ago, and a lot of people you know, blame Joe Madden, and a lot of people put it on Joe Madden, but they had some clear, obvious issues with their team. But – and, and I think also health was a major uh, reason for that too, but they're healthy right now. They're looking scary right now. And if they continue to be on pace with the way that they're going, they might just walk right through the NL central. So uh, I think the Cubs right now are, are one of my biggest, uh, not surprises, but more so a team that I guess I wasn't really expecting expecting to have such a dominant start this early on in the season. Yeah, I definitely see that, especially with, you know, the Cardinals and all their offseason struggles as well. And then the Brewers have been a victim of those offseason problems because they haven't had their games. Um, And really, those are the two main teams that you have to worry about. So, yeah, the Cubs are off to a hot start. My second team I'm going to go with is – the New York Mets and uh, a team that had promised. I know Corey was very high on them in the season. I thought they could have had a really opportune time to maybe go ahead and steal the NL East. But. Yeah, but so far right now they're sitting at three and seven, last in the, in the NL East. And I mean, the Mets are just going to be the Mets. They blew a four-run lead versus the Braves in the eighth inning. Teams in that position have been nine hundred and twenty and ten. Until that moment. So, I mean, you want to talk about the odds in your favor and them going against it? And then, I mean, Pete Alonzo, their their young star, only has one extra base hit after last year, hitting 85 extra base hits last season. And I think, obviously, the biggest, biggest story is Ioannis Cespedes disappearing on Sunday. Nobody knows where he is. And then eventually opting out of the season. I mean, a 34-year-old, two-time All-Star, and he was on a make-or-break year for his career, and he opted out this season. But it's not even the fact that he did opt out. It's the manner that he did it. I mean, on Sunday, there was no word from Cespedes and his agent until midway of their game against the Braves. And, I mean, team security had gone and checked his hotel room, and there was no word from him and his room was empty, like completely empty. Like, <laughs> like Cespedes wasn't there. 
his belongings weren't there like nothing was in his room so now like even uh the the Mets GM he was like there was a point in time where I was actually really worried about his life like I didn't know what was going on aye, but then aye. eventually uh Cespedes's uh agent notified the team that he planned on opting out of the season due to COVID related reasons. But then <laughs> on Twitter, Barstool Sports posted a picture on Monday morning showing that Cespedes was at a mall with a mask on. But I don't know if that, I mean, I kind of, I highly doubt that that picture was taken either Sunday or Monday. Cause if he blew off the Mets and is at the mall the next day, <laughs> like, Oh boy. That that's just the epitome of the Mets being the Mets. That's tough. That's really tough. But yeah, I was high on the Mets, man. I thought that they were gonna have I remember you were high on Cespedes in general. Yeah, I really thought that, you know, with them having a universal DH, he was gonna thrive this season. He was just gonna rake uh, Which he hit a he hit a home run his first game. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. But I don't know. It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be a really tough season, um, especially with the lack of arms. Uh, I know they got Stroman, I know they got uh, Degrom, but uh, man, I, I, it's like I had such a fifty-fifty about the Mets this year. I think, man, it, it's just like I wish Syndergaard didn't have to go down uh, before the season started. But man, if if I think if they would have had their their team a little bit more healthy. Maybe things could be different, but bearing anything crazy, I, I just don't see it happening for New York this year. But uh, I think it also kind of depends on like what Pete Alonso does. Because so far he's been in that sophomore slump, and especially with it being so early on and with it being a shortened season, you kind of can't afford for this to happen where your main star is struggling to hit and struggling to to generate offense for you. So. I mean, you, New York sports, man, it's just, it's just going through it right now. It's just really a tough situation if you're a New York sports fan. I feel like the Mets are kind of like the Angels right now of the NL where they're struggling and they have that quote-unquote big brother overshadowing them like crazy. Oh, like yeah. The Yankees are overshadowing oh, yeah. them and then the Dodgers are overshadowing the Angels. So oh, it's yeah. kind of – I feel like the Mets are in that similar situation where, I mean – you expect these teams to have decent seasons and be fridge playoff teams and honestly are a wild card to have a, a crazy playoff run but here they are disappointing their fans and mlb fans in general just being at the bottom of the pack yeah it's tough uh my third takeaway so far this early on in the season has to be the fact that the astros have kind of been off lately and i don't you know, say what you will I know a lot of people will say, well, that's what happens when you don't have a trash can to help you. <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, we're looking at a team that did have some high-level talent and has high-level talent in Springer, Altuve, and they're not even hitting over 200 right now. I know batting average isn't the be-all, end-all, but these guys are struggling at the plate. Bregman is kind of struggling, too. Uh, and these are like their their main guys. I know Carlos Correa is still still having a really solid season so far, but I think also you tackle on the fact that no Justin Verlander at the moment, and it, it's it's kind of been a, a little bit of a struggle. And also, I don't even know if anybody has really mentioned, but the fact that like you know Garrett Cole 
did leave them, and then you also get the Verlander injury. That's two all-star Cy Young caliber uh, pitchers that you lose in your rotation. And the bullpen wasn't, you know, the greatest, but it was reliable. And it's so far, it, it, it's just been all thing. All the pieces have come into place where it's like, man, the Astros have just not been. I don't want to say they've been horrible or, or been terrible, but they haven't been great and they haven't been as dominant as we've seen them in the past few years. And like I said, with this being a shortened season, it's like nine, nine or so games into the season for them and things haven't fully clicked yet. And now I'm looking at that division and if the angels maybe get themselves together, uh, you got the Rangers in the mix, you got the, uh, the A's right now who are currently atop of the division AL West might be wide open if the Astros are going to continue this theme where they just look so inconsistent. Yeah, it's I. You hit the nail on the head when you talked about that division being up for grabs. I mean, yeah, the Astros are always going to be good, and then the A's have they've actually had a pretty sluggish start too. But that's normally what they do typically. But I think they may have to pick it up a little earlier than they normally do in a regular season. And then the Mariners have been very surprising because they're a very young team with no real, you know, star on their team. And the the Mariners have been giving the Astros have been giving the A's have been giving the angels a run for their money in the division. And then the angels, like I said, it's, it's tough. But um, my third takeaway is the AL MVP early AL MVP is possibly going to be a pitcher. And it's looking like it might be the Indians pitcher, Shane Bieber. He's only 25 years old from Orange, California. But actually, I don't know if I want to say that too proudly because of everything going on in Orange County right now. (laughs) But uh, he was an all-star last year. And you want to talk about his two starts that he's had this season so far. Opening day starter against Kansas City Royals where he pitched six innings, only allowed four hits, one walk, and struck out 14 batters while giving up zero runs. And then on last Thursday, he pitched against a powerful Minnesota Twins lineup where he pitched eight innings, allowed only three hits, no walks, no runs, and struck out 13 batters. And this was against the record-breaking Twins that broke the record for home runs last season. So with his total of 27 strikeouts in his first two starts, we were tied an MLB record set in 1954 by Carl Spooner for the most strikeouts in a pitcher's first two starts of a season. And even the Twins manager had to give him praise about, about his performance against them. He said he was definitely on top of his game. I think anyone paying attention can see that. He's very sharp. And he's one of the best young pitchers in the game. And, yeah, I would agree with you on that. Yeah, and I think the Indians are right now. The Indians right now are in third in the AL Central with the Tigers, which surprise, surprise, they're tied with them for third. Um, but I think that's mostly due to the lack of contribution from their top hitters. Because you look at their their uh, starting rotation, they've been doing pretty well i mean clevenger kind of had an off start for his uh, first two starts and then the bullpen brad hand has been struggling but outside of that they've been very very solid pitching wise and i mean they're really hurting from contributions from their top hitters from like francisco lindor carlos santana and fran mel reyes i mean those guys are struggling so they definitely need help from those guys if they want to make a run for the al central yeah it's yeah it's like the two divisions that 
you kind of have to keep an eye out on every single day about who's in first is the AL Central and uh, the ALS. I mean, so far, the Twins have been looking really dominant so far as far as, like, you know, just obliterating the ball right now. But, uh, man, like, maybe, maybe, maybe a pitcher could be really sneaky because, I mean, you, you talk about maybe a pitcher could win AL MVP. Uh, Bieber's been playing outstanding and then if Cole continues to just dominate and not lose like we mentioned you might have to say like you know like these guys not only could be candidates to win Cy Young but maybe even candidates to win MVP because the biggest problem I think for the Yankees these past few years has been their pitching and if Cole just immediately comes in and has that impact of hey, don't worry about it. I got this. <laughs> and, and kind of solidifies the pitching staff. You're talking about one – typically don't see this, like especially MLB-wise. You don't see one guy just come in and just fully change a pitching staff. But if Garrett Cole could do that, then, yeah, he would definitely have a serious case to win AL MVP. Yeah, very, very interesting. All right, well, let's – Take it back a little bit to the NFL because we just got some breaking news that the former Washington football team pro bowler Jordan Reed has reached an agreement on an incentive-based contract with the San Francisco 49ers. Corey, what are your initial reactions on that? Wow. So not only do you have George Kittle, who's one of the best, if not the best tight end. I would say he's he's the best. I have him at 1A and Travis Kelsey at 1B. Yeah. But now you're adding Jordan Reed, who... Nice, nice job, by the way, Washington football team. <laughs> I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. But now you have Jordan Reed, who's just like, he's just had so many different injuries, man. And I think if he was able to stay healthy, maybe he, you know, would be more of a presence. But it just adds another weapon for Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, and like I said, if maybe he could stay healthy, maybe he could open himself up to maybe a, long, a more long-term contract. I think, yeah, you, with, with his health being a major, major concern because this guy has been getting concussion after concussion after concussion. And at one point, he was – was he retired? I think he retired. Yeah. If he, he was, like, retired, semi-retired. Was, yeah, yeah, he was – yeah, yeah. He was yeah, like so, I mean, I mean, I thought for sure he was going to retire after all those concussions because getting that many concussions as a football player is not a good look for you, especially in the long run. So, I thought he was going to retire. And then to see the 49ers – snag him on an incentive-based deal which you just talked about with like a b i mean that's huge for them considering they have george kittle i mean and they they lost emmanuel sanders so that's a big receiving option they lost and again he's being paired up with kyle shanahan once again that when he was in washington so that's that's big news for the 49ers and if you're a 49ers fan but the main, main thing is his health because when he was healthy he was arguably the best tight end at the time, I would say. And then now you have George Kittle, who is the best tight end at the time. And then you had this guy, which even even if he doesn't play to where he was once before, I mean, he could still prove to be a mentor to a young George Kittle as well, too. So that's also yeah. another bonus. And I know yeah. multiple teams were looking at signing Jordan Reed. I mean, I think the Patriots were looking at him because they were mm-hmm. in need of a tight end. Uh, I guess the 49ers were. <laughs> I didn't think they were. And then also the Ravens with losing Hayden Hurst. They were looking 
for a tight end as well too and I think the the Patriots and the Ravens are now looking at uh Delaney Walker possibly too Mm -hmm. so he could be the next guy who will be signed yeah um I think this is a big move also coming off the back end of the Jamal Adams trade with the Seahawks um and there was rumors that with that whole situation that the 49ers were in the mix to trade for Jamal Adams. And some people are saying that the reason that the Seahawks gave up what they gave up was because they heard that the 49ers were trying to get Jamal Adams. And it's like, yo, like if they get Jamal Adams, that's, that's, that's That's game over. That's That's game over situation to deal with. So they were like, yo, we will give up these first, these two first, No problem. We'll give up the first, the two first rounders, and a, uh, and a, you know, a, a decent safety as well. So, I think maybe that you know, there's there's that competition between both uh, the 49ers and the Seahawks, and they're kind of going back and forth with each other, trying to get as much talent as they possibly can. Because ultimately, I think it's going to be those two teams vying for that division, and maybe hell, if if. if if they get the opportunity, they might even see each other in the playoffs too. So why not uh, be able to have the, the cards stacked in your favor as far as being the team that has all the pieces in place? Yeah. And for, I mean, the Cardinals who are in that division too, that drafting of Isaiah Simmons is looking a lot better now and more beneficial Indeed. for them because Indeed. because the Cardinals were the worst team in the NFL against tight ends. So if you see him two times a year, Maybe you put Isaiah Simmons on George Kittle. Now you have Jordan Reed, too, who is basically a hybrid receiver tight end. So they're they're making it difficult to, you know, pencil in a winner for that division because a couple is, weeks ago we were saying yeah, it we was the Seahawks. Like, it looks like the Seahawks so, are the favorites I mean, now. So it's like it's it's tough. It's tough. Like, and, like, you know, I have to, you know, correct something because I, I was making it seem like the Seahawks were, like, just full on, like, above the 49ers. I would say I would still slightly give the advantage to Seattle, but it's close. It's mm-hmm. it's neck and neck. Like those two teams, either of them could take the division, and I wouldn't be shocked to be honest with you. It's that. And then open. you you also never know with the Rams if Mc, never Mc, know Bay, what the Rams Magic. are going to do. And then Magic and expecting then... this year to be a potential MVP caliber year for Kyler Murray. So you don't really know. It's 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 going to be fun. The the NFC West is going to be really fun this year to watch. I called it before. I said this is the toughest division in the NFL, and I'm going to stick by that until the NFL season, until draft, something drastic happens. But Let's that, hope that we get an NFL season. Please, right, right. we get an NFL season. For sure. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. We appreciate you guys tuning in as always. Make sure you guys are following us on social media. The Nosebleeds uh, on Instagram, the underscore nosebleeds on Twitter, the nosebleeds podcast on Facebook. That's K N O W S bleeds. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Apple Podcasts specifically, uh, make sure to give us a five star rating. Write a review, helps us out a lot. A five star review. Corey, any last words? Uh, just sports is back, man, and it's good to have sports back. Good to have something to take your mind off all the COVID news and kind of have something to at least distract you a little bit and just be able to to see you know sports in general and i remember a buddy of mine like posted on instagram he was in vegas and they literally had baseball hockey basketball i mean they had even had some ufc on i was like yo it's this is this is crazy this is amazing like that everything is all going down all at once so Mm -hmm. and man 
I can't wait to get into it because like the NBA so far has been really interesting, but we'll save that for next episode. Yep. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up. Appreciate y'all listening. Catch you later. Deuces.